Welcome to the Reasonable Boy podcast. This is a politics podcast. Today we're going to talk about uh, media bias. It's been really interesting over the past few days since the election was announced that we've seen um, even more biased reporting than I've seen in a long time. And it got me wondering about the state of the media as we see it at the moment. It's really interesting to see how um, visceral some of the media have become. I mean, the, some of them are, have been pretty brutal in the past, but um, the front page of the Telegraph the other day uh, was really, really disgraceful, even though... I understand that the Telegraph don't want Jeremy Corbyn to win the election and become Prime Minister. But if you're going to fight someone because you don't like them or you don't like the, policy, the party, fight them on the policies. Talk to them and say, you know, we disagree with X because of Y. But don't don't make it so personal like that. I mean, I think that's a disgraceful thing. I think once you've made a, a personal attack on someone, You've lost the argument. And I think this is indicative of the times we're living at the moment that somehow personalising um, your political views against people, um, unless you have religious cause, unless they've done something which is so egregious that they deserve, you know, being taken down a peg or two and um, I, I don't think that's the right way I'm going back going around and trying to prove your case whether it's a paper that supports a, a certain political party or whether it's an individual prospective candidate I just think that once you lose um, once you don't, rec don't once you don't recognise um, the arguments that the person's putting forward and you don't debate them with the person you don't say well I disagree with that and or, or I will agree with that but this is the way we would do it I think that's more it's a more cohesive and more sensible way in which you, you communicate with people um, but the mainstream media at this point in time is so slewed to one side um, that it's, it's become increasingly, it's increasingly worrying about even not during an election campaign the amount of bias that is involved in, in, in papers, for instance. And, and I do realise there's more papers that are owned by right-wing owners than there are left-wing uh, owners. You've only got the Mirror and the Guardian as mainstream papers and then you've got the independent which is sort of Lib Dem maybe where the well in fact the Guardian may be Lib Dem as well when you look at it sometimes so the mirror you could say is the only Labour paper but then on the opposite side the Conservatives you've got the Telegraph the Express you've got the Daily Mail you know you've got the Financial Times even um so you've got that that group of papers, and so it is even more important now than ever that 
we have some balance. And I think the way to do that would be to, certainly in newspapers, is to allow them to have their opinions, which is fine, which everyone should be able to do that. We live in a democracy and they should do that. But have a specific area of the paper where that takes place. And so what you should have then is in the main body of the paper where you're doing your reporting on events and stuff, anything that's reported outside of the opinion pages has to be unbiased. So if somebody says something that you say, Fred said this, that's all you need to know. But what's happening at the moment is your the, the, the amount of spin that goes on by the journalist because whichever paper he writes for or she writes for will spin that in the actual article uh, to be biased. And I think that shouldn't happen. I want my information straightforward, to the point, accurate. And any journalist can make a mistake, but that's a bit accurate. If somebody says something, say it as he or she has said it. I think the the other thing that's really important as well is that people who are not politicians and who, like you and I, don't have really good redress from the mainstream media if we're involved in something. You know, if we're involved in an accident, for instance, and we get our pictures taken or something like that, you know, the, the, the disgraceful behaviour of a certain newspaper, which I shan't, shan't uh, name, uh, of the Hillsborough disaster, there should be automatic redress for people involved um, being reported on by the newspapers. I think it's... Um, because generally, generally speaking, they... Ordinary people don't have the money to go to court to pay for an injunction or or libel, for instance. And I think this is the well, this is something that we need to control. Um, in that, if you write something about something, somebody, you need to be accurate about what you're saying. And if you libel them, then. That's, that's your problem, or the newspaper's problem, should I say. And people should have redress on that. And if you say something about something and it's totally false, because you're basically you're just saying it to, to, to sell a paper, then what I would like to see happen is if, say, there's a splash on the front page and somebody had done something and it's totally untrue, I, I, would, I would say that the law should be that paper can't print the next day, once the once the complaint's gone in, and it's been upheld, the next day's printing should be cancelled. They should lose the the, the the money, and also the website should be taken down for a day, because a lot of papers make money on the website as well as the mainstream paper. So that's what I would do for your first offence. Second offence would be. We'll take both the website and the paper down for a week. So you lose money. And your third strike would be the editor and the chairman or the board of the company should, well, 
they should they should be barred from ever being part of a company again. Because anybody can make a mistake. First, first, second, and third. And that would concentrate minds on a lot of papers because they'd say, we can't make up stories anymore now. We've got to report new stuff. Um, we've got to report the news for a change. And I think that's that's the only way you're going to sort the, the, the newspapers out. I don't want to stop them from doing investigative journalism and saying we have evidence for this because if they've gathered the evidence and they can show that they've gathered it and it all stacks up, even if they were wrong or partly wrong, um, that's okay, so long as they admit that they were wrong. Um, because I know investigative journalism is very hard to do and a lot of time and resources has to go into it. So you have, in order for, for that to keep going, you have to give them some allowances. But if it's just a case of making up stories for making up stories' sake, then, yeah, find them. And then when we look at the, uh, not so much the papers so much now, but the, but the TV, you have to ask some really serious questions regarding the BBC's outputs on news and current affairs. And that how once great organisation that was trusted for its news reporting has got to such a state that Ofcom are investigating bias on BBC News. And although it's been on decline for some time, I'd say the decline really really sort of started gathering pace when David Cameron politicised the BBC in 2010. And from then on, it has become more like an arm of the government. Well, it was always an arm of the government to a certain degree of the BBC, but... It's become more so now. And I think the the people that call themselves journalists um, are not really journalists at the moment. They are, say, presenters rather than journalists because I don't think many of them actually do any investigation. I don't see Laura Kunzberg going undercover to find out things. She probably gets stuff, I don't know, she might get stuff handed for, from sources but does she question those sources I don't think so you know Nick got Nick Robinson on Radio 4 and you know he's biased and and um, you know when you've seen Fiona Bruce on Question Time it's a, it's, it's a show I used to watch regular, on a regular basis with David Dimbleby now I you know I've got no problems with Dave will do me as such, but, you know, you always got the the idea that he would challenge people. He probably stayed a little bit too long, I think, in all honesty, on the show. Um, and I think his best years were behind him when he, when he, when he left. He probably should have left about ten years ago. Um, but I always got the thought, the impression, that he would at least sort of challenge people. I think Fiona Bruce is awful as a presenter. It's one of the reasons why I don't watch Antiques Roadshow. I can't stand the woman. Um, and, you know, you, you, the other person you look at is John Pina on Radio 5. 
and I'm sort of fairly ambiguous about Giampino, to be honest with you. I think he's okay-ish. That's about it. There's no... There's no real outstanding journalist these days that would I trust to present the the news or the or the or certainly question the politicians. I, I think John Cole in his prime was very good. We've got Andrew O'Neill, who's very good. He's probably the best out there at the moment. Uh, I mean, you may not like his politics, but I at least he does represent. Uh, arguments to people and will go after them if they've got the figures wrong no matter which party they come from so I've got a fair bit of respect for Andrew O'Neill but you know you look at Peston on ITV and it's awful absolutely terrible um, Brian Walden was was absolutely wonderful on you know the world, world at one fantastic interviewer and that's going back in the seventies and eighties, and there just there just is not the same gravitas within the BBC as it once was, and I think this is a problem what we've got with the BBC at the moment. I don't care if they come from being educated at Cambridge or Oxford. I don't know what they're churning out at Cambridge or Oxford at the moment, but certainly some of the some of the people they've got at the BBC at the moment are. Dim, and I think now whether that's a producer, a producer saying, "You can't say this to somebody. We can't upset these people." And I, if I, if that was me, and I'd got a degree from Oxford or Cambridge, I'd be saying, "Sorry, I'm here to do my job, and my job is to challenge that person. If you don't like that, tough." And they should stand up to them, and they should do the job properly because that's what they're paid to do. They're quite paid quite handsomely to do that as well. So I think that's the disappointing aspect to me. There's no, where's a cynic, you know, in the journalist? Where's this, where, you know, that person, that just may support a certain political party. But if their favoured party has them, you know, has them as, as one of their MPs on the show and they talk rubbish, I still expect that person to say, you're talking rubbish. Why aren't you? doing X, Y, and Z, and then I have, not only respect, but trust in the person that they, they're actually willing to find out and challenge people. And that's what's wrong with the BBC at the moment. In fact, it's wrong with all media at the moment, to certainly, or the mainstream media. You look at um, Radio 5, and... Um, I just get this feeling that Radio 5 is just, you know, um, not very good at uh, really challenging people. You know, Rachel Burden and um, uh, and Nicky Campbell first thing in the morning. They do, they do challenge, but it just seems it just seems to me that they they never quite get to the actual point. The sort of going around the edges far too much for me to a certain degree, uh, and, and I do think Radio Five is biased as well. Um, I think the whole BBC, BBC News and Current Affairs department is biased. 
And I think the only way you're going to sort that out within the BBC is for someone to come along and say, right, this is not fit for purpose anymore. It's far too biased. We want the BBC to go back to unbiased reporting the facts, not putting a gloss on it, not putting your interpretation of it because you're, you, you think this way or you support X party. And I would sack everyone from using current affairs top down so nobody gets a free pass everybody goes and then for a few years we just BBC concentrates on programming that way you can then concentrate on the programming and if the BBC and if you want the BBC to start news and current affairs again you can start from the ground up and build it and build into the way that with the, stru the structure of the BBC unbiased reporting so you have checks and balances all the way through. So I don't care if the person who's head of the BBC is a Labour supporter, or a Conservative supporter, a Lib Dems or whoever they were support. Their bias does not trickle down to the shop floor and people have to report in a certain way. They should be free to challenge and say, no, this is an important story. I don't care what your allegiances are, we're going to do it. Now, as a Labour supporter, I might not like that because it might be something that they say about my party. But I'm for freedom of speech. And I want people to, if something's wrong, I want them to say so. I want them to prove it. I don't want people to say, this is such, a, such and such has done this, when they clearly haven't. And it's just your bias. That's wrong. But if you say such and such has done this, here's the proof, here's the recording of the person saying it, here's the person who he's, here's who the person met, here's the trips he or she made. You know, that evidence, I may not like it, but I respect you for doing it the right way. But we seem to get more and more now of people making accusations against people and they're not built on anything. Not, no foundations to them whatsoever. It's somebody giving them a piece of paper saying, well, today we're going to do this. So make sure you say that. And I think um, this is why we're starting to see the Ofcom investigating the BBC. Because more and more people are not trusting its news output and current affairs output. And that's sad. It's really sad because as, as a child grew up in the 60s and, you know, in the 70s and you were trusted the BBC for, the, for your view on the world. I mean, we only got news at one o'clock and then six o'clock and then ten o'clock and the tea went, went off at before midnight. Maybe the only time it didn't go off at midnight was when there was a firm on. But as soon as the film finished, that was it, you know. National Anthem came on and that was it and closed down. And I think this is part, part and parcel of the, poem, uh, the, the problem is that's a 24-hour news cycle now. And that 24-hour news cycle actually is ruining reporting. 
So I might expand on that in my in my next uh, episode. So that's all for now, and uh, see you later. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.